This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, September 26, 2018, and my guest is no other than Matteo Doni. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me back on the show, Miriam. Yeah, it's really great to have you on. So obviously, uh, it's still we're still kind of experiencing a whole bunch of news around the iPhone right now, but we do have a bunch of small Android-related news that I wanted to talk about uh, with you. And um, I also wanted to kind of talk to, with you about uh, you know some of the some of the upcoming. Phones. I mean, obviously, we're all kind of waiting for the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL. So maybe let's start with that. Okay, then. So the, the Pixel 3 has been a bit of a tease, as in an ongoing tease, uh, whether that's from the Ukraine, Russia, China, or uh, some people who got their devi- hands on those devices and are leaking some of the software features. It's kind uh, of th- amazing how many people are leaking this phone. And it's funny you mentioned the Ukraine because I'm actually in Kiev right now. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, have yeah. you been offered a Pixel 3 uh, or Pixel 3 XL for sale? Off the back no, of the uh, not yet. And if I had, I would be very excited and I would have probably made a YouTube video by now. Well, probably not because I want to keep my relationship with Google. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not excited by potentially dog fooding Google products before their launch? Um, if I did it, I would basically, you know, share my experience in a roundabout way, if you know what I'm saying. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I totally understand. But yes, it's, it's, it's interesting that the Google Pixel 3 in its unannounced status is, is creating so much buzz. I think the only other device that has created this mon- amount of buzz before launch, in my opinion, is various iterations of the iPhone, and that's mostly down to Apple. But it's interesting to see the Google Pixel reaching that status, uh, especially within the tech community. I mean, I'm not too surprised. I think that if you think about it, um, you know, the first Pixel was like, you know, people were not sure what to expect, and it delivered. And then the second one kind of blew us away imaging-wise. And so I think now the expectations are high, which, as you know, is a huge danger, right? Because we might be sorely disappointed. It is indeed. Um, I was blown away by the cameras on the Pixel 2 XL, uh, especially in low light. Even the selfies and portrait selfies were a step up from the original Pixel. So having I mean, set such a, an improvement uh, benchmark between the first and second generation, my expectations of the third generation are even better, uh, whether that's in the camera department or uh, in battery life. I'm expecting a lot of the Pixel 3 and have already saved up all the pocket money to, to get one if necessary. Of course. I mean, you know, my daily drive is always a Nexus or a Pixel. And so it will probably be a Pixel 3 XL I, or probably my review unit, because that's what I've been lucky to do in the last few years is to continue using that device for quite a while after I got my hands on it. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be in New York for the launch on October 9th. Um, so 
I don't know if I'll be seeing you there, but, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we'll, I think we're going to be running into each other at some point soon. I have a feeling probably at the May 20 launch. Yes, definitely. The May 20 launch. That's, uh, not exactly in my back garden, but, uh, within commuting distance. Within commuting distance. Yeah. So, um, and I want to talk about the May 20 because, uh, that's obviously also the big, the second hottest thing that people are that in, you know, people like us who are early tech, you know, early adopter tech savvy tech journalists, phone reviewers are anticipating, I guess. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL leaks. We've now had some significant amount of leaks. Um, and the latest being a some some wireless charging base of some sort which means that perhaps wireless charging is back on the menu, which I think would be cool. Uh, but what's, what, what is your take so far? I mean, it's, um, it's got some oddities, right? Yes, it has some oddities. Uh, the thing that interests me is the dual selfie camera on the, on the front of the device. If those leaks are true, it means that either there's going to be some form of depth sensing within selfie cameras to give you the, the perfect... Uh, the, the perfect selfie portraits, or there's going to be some other uh, feature for authentication, which will use uh, the, the depth sensor or a second camera for some. Yeah, function. no, I, I'm convinced that front f- that 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 array of sensors in the notch, including the camera on the three XL and in the you know bez- top bezel on the three are. The equivalent of Face ID from Apple, but on on a on the first Android phone, basically the first. Well, there's let, let's let's actually talk about that. This will be the first significant Android phone to the U.S. and Western markets that will have this feature. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because the first phone that has a Face ID clone, as it were, is the Oppo Find X, right? Yeah. So, so the problem with the Oppo Find X is that I I don't think any of us have had our hands yet on a version that can run Google Pay. So we haven't been able to check to see if the Oppo Find X will authenticate purchases in Google Pay with the front-facing, you know, depth sensor that it has. So I feel I have a feeling it won't. I have a feeling that's not supported. I think it's just for unlocking the phone. And so as such, my hunch is that all of this stuff we see in the front of the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL is not a, for dual, it's not at all a dual selfie camera. It is just a normal selfie camera because uh, as an aside, why would they use dual cameras in the front and not dual cameras in the back when they already do pick, uh portrait so well with a single camera in the back and in the front of the existing pixel so um my hunch is it's it's purely a face id uh step sensing uh you know authentication technology that for the first time will be compatible with google pay yes that's kind of my hunch and then in terms of imaging, in the back, we're going to probably see an update to what we've seen on the Pixel 2 in terms of hardware. And in the front, we'll get a single camera that 
with the depth sensing gets additional information to get even better portray uh, fake bouquet whatever you want to call it portrait mode um, just like the iPhone does but I have a feeling that like I'm not expecting the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL imaging hardware other than this face face ID clone to be uh, much better than what we have today. I expect the software to take a leap forward because the number crunching that the Snapdragon 845 allows is more significant than what the 835 allows. And we've seen what Google can do on the 835. And and as you know, they have their own processor on the Pixel 2, Pixel 2 XL for imaging. So maybe it's the next generation version of this processor. So I expect us to see a huge improvement in imaging as we've seen every time there's a Pixel, but but really driven by the software, by computational photography. Yes, that sounds, sounds uh, pretty much right to me. Uh, it's without having any confirmation from Google, it's difficult to see, but the, the rumored uh, or leaked uh, devices we've seen in the media uh, are indicating to, to a much more complex front-facing imaging solution uh, and how that will be used might be the big surprise at the, the unveiling in New York. Absolutely. And I mean, it's about time somebody doesn't just replicate or imitate or, you know, copy the Face ID technology from Apple, but actually gives us the same functionality, which is payment, full, secure authentication, none of this half-baked, oh, we've added Face ID, but, you know, don't really rely on it for super security stuff, you know? Um, And that'll be refreshing, right? And and I'm hoping that that will excuse the Pixel 3 XL, at least the XL, from having such a horrendously large and deformed notch on its front, (laughs) right? Because that's obviously been something I've discussed on the show before, but everybody's kind of horrified by the industrial design of this thing. And rightfully so, I think it's kind of ugly, but... I'm sure that that that'll be the least of our worries because I think we will be wowed by the rest of it. And, you know, as I said, obviously we expect a Snapdragon 845. I'm hoping to see a bit more RAM, although the rumors have been it's only four gigs. Uh, six would be nice, Google. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't, don't cheap out on RAM. I mean, remember when the Nexus 5X came out and it only had two gigs of RAM? Yes. Um, it was a nightmare. That that phone was would, could have potentially been a great phone, but it was totally limited by this RAM and its processor, I, the 808. I think that's a testament to maybe the, the engineering culture at Google where uh, they pride themselves in efficient engineering, efficient and effective engineering, uh, which doesn't require a lot of resources. Uh, when when creating these products, they think they want to set an example for the industry and say, you don't need to have six or eight gigabytes of RAM. My Pixel 2 XL, I haven't noticed any slowdowns, despite it only having four gigabytes of RAM. And that's maybe why Google are doing that, is they want to try and rein in this, this craziness of eight gigabyte RAM phones, which most people will just use to run Facebook, WhatsApp and <laughs> browse the web. 
So they want to, yeah, in a way, set some constraints. I, I don't fully agree with you there. I, I do feel that the phones I have that have more than four gigs of RAM perform better than my Pixel 2 XL. My Pixel 2 XL now, after almost 12 months of continuous use, has slowed down, you know, not drastically, and it's not unacceptable, but it's there, you know? And I don't feel that it's living up to my expectations anymore. And I'm not worried about it because I'm getting a new phone on October 9th, basically, right? So, but, but, but like, I'm not seeing these slowdowns on Huawei phones. I'm not seeing these slowdowns on OnePlus phones. So I don't know if it's RAM or not, but I want more than four gigs of RAM. Okay. I don't want eight, but I want six. I expect at least the three XL to have six, and y- you can argue that yes, they're trying to be efficient, and generally they are shipping very clean versions of Android. But so is OnePlus, and they still make a phone that costs five hundred and thirty dollars and has eight gigs of RAM. Yes, and the one OnePlus six is an excellent device. It's a great, great phone. Um, it would be interesting to see how how and if that changes with the rumored OnePlus six. Which <laughs> yes. has been leaked uh, as well quite a lot in the, the oh, yeah. media. It's definitely been leaked to death, um, and I've covered it extensively so far. The latest leaks are that there is going to be and the launch is going to be happening on October seventeenth, and so I'm not sure. I need to kind of go through my notes really quickly to f- remember what exactly. I was reading about there, but, you know, uh, I'm not surprised there's been enough leaks now that we knew it was coming soon. Um, To summarize the leaks, it has a teardrop-shaped notch, which is very small, very similar to what we've seen on the Oppo R17 and a bunch of other F9 and a bunch of other phones uh, from uh, China. Uh, And it has, you know, supposedly a, a... uh, in-display fingerprint reader, which could be a a wonderful thing and could also be a complete disaster since a lot of these in-display fingerprint readers are slow and unreliable compared to their, uh, their standard back-of-the-phone type print fingerprint sensor. And uh, the big disappointment for me, which I believe is true because Carl Pei pretty much said it's in on Twitter, is... Uh, is the lack of headphone jack. Um, so, look, I'm a huge fan of OnePlus. I've got the OnePlus 6 right now in all three colors, which is really wonderful. So I just pick up one and use it and kind of like, oh, this, I feel like having a white one today. And it's kind of cool to have that option. Uh, and I'm always been a big fan. And I think the 6 is definitely the most well-rounded OnePlus device to date especially in terms of finally hitting the mark with imaging. But so I'm, I'm excited about the 6T, don't get me wrong, but I'm a little, I'm, I'm trying to set my expectations lower regarding the fingerprint reader thing because as much as I, we all do, I think, want in-display fingerprint readers uh, because it's kind of cool, and you know it real it would make the phone look cleaner and still give us a fingerprint sensor for for those of us who prefer that say over face uh, authentication. It's going to be potentially not as reliable as we expect as what we're used to and and as you know user friendly. So 
that makes me pause. And then the lack of headphone jack. I know it's obviously inevitable that eventually all phones will not have a headphone jack, but I was really hoping OnePlus would be like LG and Samsung and hang in there for a few more generations. And them uh, kind of already making bad excuses for this. And, you know, in, you know, there's, again, Carl has pretty much discussed this with somebody at Digital Trend. And, you know, he's doing the same as he did with NFC for the OnePlus 2, right? Which is like coming up with some crazy claims that, you know, that's what the users want or that the users are not really using the headphone jack. And, you know, it saves some money and space for the battery. And and all I have to say is bullshit. None of that is relevant. You can make a phone... With a headphone jack, with a great large battery, and it's waterproof, and you are just saving yourself ten cents. Just, just come clean about it, Kyle. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to hear more of these justifications for bad decisions, or don't make a bad decision. I, I'm, I'm interested. I would be interested to to be a fly on the wall in the the meetings at OnePlus and at BKK, their, their parent company, to see what is the, the real driving factor in decisions like removing the headphone jack. Is it that BKK ha- now have the vision that this is where the mobile industry is going and that's what they want to educate users on, on, on living with? Or is it uh, this is what Apple are doing, therefore... To have our credibility in China and in other markets, we need to follow that trend. What do you think it is, Miriam? I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. I just feel like, you know, OnePlus is a company I care for deeply. I think they make some of the best phones on the market today. I think the OnePlus 6 is a, is absolutely a you know, the first OnePlus I can recommend without hesitation, even on imaging. And now I feel that the OnePlus 6T, I was looking forward, I was excited about the teardrop shaped notch because I think that's again an improvement. A smaller notch is better. Uh, it brings us closer to a full display phone. Um, the fingerprint reader on the display also speaks to that. But again, I'm more hesitant because I've tried those before and they're not as reliable as I'd like them to be and so hopefully this isn't a non-issue and I'm I'm not going to have to worry about it but then when I found out about this headphone jack rumor I was like damn like you had delivered almost the perfect phone with a OnePlus 6 and now you're going to evolve some of these aspects of what you provided with the 1.6 yet you're going to devolve this one thing that you know a lot of people on your user base are really adamant about. And and I don't understand why you're doing this. And I don't think it has to do with the mainstreamization of OnePlus because I think there is there has been a kind of a tendency for OnePlus to become more mainstream, which is a good thing. You know, like they have really spoken to a lot of to a lot of people's and, and appealed to a lot of people in the last few years with their pricing with their features but well-rounded was the word i was using to describe the one plus six and i'm afraid that's going to not be quite as well-rounded without a headphone jack you know 
Yeah. Let's put it this way. They're, they're well-rounded with a teardrop bit missing. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm also very excited about the rumors that it's going to be sold at T-Mobile stores in the U.S., which means for the first time, people will be able to walk into a brick-and-mortar, um, you know, operator store, and not just in some other country, but actually in, in the crazy country that is the U.S. of A., and get themselves a phone that, you know, is absolutely competitive with phones that cost twice as much. So, so that was confirmed wow. to me that the T-Mobile uh, thing was confirmed to me by a T-Mobile employee this week. I'm in the US at the moment, and uh, I was in a T-Mobile store, and that was actually confirmed. So I'm very excited about okay. this. I think so. I think, look, I while I'm ranting and kind of bitching, I want people to know that I'm very excited about the OnePlus 60 and its rumors, and that the final, the, this final rumor or not maybe final, but this most recent rumor is that there's going to be an October 6th, 7th, October 17th launched. That's great. But I wanted, I wanted to, you know, it would not, I would not be doing my job if I didn't point out some of these concerns I have. And, and again, I'm more vexed if, if I, if, if Carl had come out or if OnePlus had come out and said, you know, we're removing the headphone jack. We think that's, we think that's the future. We, you know, whatever or we it's going to save us money on something else it's a little bit of money but it does make a difference in the final you know bill of bill of materials i would have said okay this sucks but i feel that's is a reasonable answer right but instead we're getting kind of back into this behavior that oneplus had in the past and that Carlos had in the past about making up these excuses that don't make any sense and you know, don't do that. Like, we can see right through it. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's good for your intended audience, uh, even though your intended audience is no longer just tech-savvy early adopters, but you still have a lot of those on board. So that is my gripe. That is my rant for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, to be fair, Carl does have a bit of a philosopher's personality in the industry and I think that he sometimes can overthink things yeah I mean I just need him to, I just want him to be you know be real don't don't make excuses that are just kind of like people are shaking their heads and rolling their eyes you know it's it's like or don't make any excuses at all just own it and say I've made this decision that's it you don't need to know anything else I mean, that's how Steve Jobs used to do things. Yes. Did we like it? No. Did we eventually accept it? Yeah. I just, you know, to me, it's just, it's, it's kind of fake and I don't like fakeness. And that's, that's my concern right now, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, maybe they'll have great marketing around this lack of headphone jack and maybe I'll be wrong. You know, yes. I mean, I know that I'm still going to be right insofar that I have an opinion, which is that all phones should have a headphone jack, especially uh, one that has a really good DAC and headphone amp behind it, uh, like LG is doing. Uh, Samsung's not too shabby either in their performance audio wise. Uh, Huawei on the phones that have a headphone jack is also pretty high in terms of audio performance. Uh, HTC used to before they dropped the headphone jack. 
So, you know, and I have to say the OnePlus 6, once you turn on um, that high quality mode that's hidden in the menus, uh, sounds absolutely exquisite through the headphone jack. So this is why I'm this is why I'm so upset about it, you know? Yeah. No, I, I understand. I, I personally think that the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, also known as the courage port, is something that should be kept on. It's an industry standard. Uh, there are a lot of accessibility uh, issues around that headphone jack, which for some people using voiceover or on, on Apple's operating system or the talkback stack on, on the Android operating system do rely on. Um, it's, it's one of those things until USB-C wired headphones become a standard, uh, it's not something that can be uh, overlooked by many. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about these May 20 rumors. But before we do that, um, and they're not really rumors. They're, at this point, they're just leaks because this thing is coming out in London uh, on October, whatever it is, 16th, I think. Something yeah. like that. I'll be there. You'll be there. I'm super looking forward to it. The P20, P20 Pro have been phenomenal phones. The P20 Pro has been my camera go-to phone for uh, the last six months. And I took it to Burning Man and it was the pictures it took are just out of this world. You can see a link to those pictures in one of the previous episodes of the show. Um, yeah. I, 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 but, I saw those pictures and um, again, I, I myself, alongside my Pixel 2 XL, carry a Huawei P20 Pro for those moments I can take a bit more time to take pictures uh, again it's a combination of hardware and computational uh, image processing the P20 Pro is still my favorite camera phone uh, for those times that I can take a little bit more effort and time to, to compose a picture absolutely and so the Mate 20 just promises to deliver more of that so i'm of course excited um but before we get into the leaks um you know i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the mate 20 light which was announced at ifa and apparently you have a device so what are your thoughts on that and and how does it compare to the what we know the rumors of the p20 to be sorry mate 20 yeah, so um, this is one thing Huawei have been doing for a few generations, and, and other brands do as well, is launch a flagship and also launch a, a light version of their flagship at the same time. So, unusually, this time they launched the Mate 20 Lite uh, more than a month before the, the launch of the actual flagship. And I like to think of this as a 6.3-inch tease, <laughs> They're essentially teasing us with what it could look like and what it could do uh, in the budget segment. And they're really getting us a bit excited about it. So, as I mentioned, it's a 6.3-inch Full HD Plus display. It has a notch. It The fingerprint scanner is on the back rather than on the front, as with the Huawei P20 Pro. And for a mid-range device, it punches well above its its... Uh, price tag. Uh, I say it's what is the price tag? Is so it cheaper is, or more expensive than some of the Honor phones that um, have like is here in 970s? In the, 
this is in in pretty much the same price range as the Honor 10, the smaller one. Okay. That means that uh, it's £400 in the UK. That works out at close to $500 in the US. And for that, you get a bigger device. It's a 6.3-inch device with a 3,750 milliamp hour battery, which performs very well, also down to the fact that it has a new Huawei Kirin chipset. It isn't the flagship Kirin 980 that we're going to see in the Mate 20 Pro. This is a, a mid-range chipset, which is the Kirin 710, which is a 12, new 12 nanometer chipset, uh, which, in my experience, performs very, very well. Uh, I haven't noticed any lags or slowdowns, even playing some games like Goat Simulator. And mm. in, when it comes to photography, it has uh, many of, of the Huawei P20 Pro's bells and whistles in terms of AI recognition and scene setting. So it can do right. the 22 different scene recognitions. It uh, can do night mode. But not the handheld like, night mode. I was going to say, not the handheld, right? You know, honestly, I, I heard, was it you who was telling me this? Somebody was telling me that the Honor 10 was receiving an update that supported the handheld night mode. I have not seen that update yet. Yes, so I have seen that update, and it works very well. Obviously not as well as on the P20 Pro, because the, the image sensors and the hardware aren't as good. But in terms of, for, for most users, it's more than enough to take a handheld, low-light, four-second exposure picture. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm, but I haven't seen that upgrade update yet, so I'm really waiting with a bated breath because the Honor 10 is a phenomenal phone other than two things, really, and that's the front, that, that ultrasonic fingerprint reader under the display glass in the front is terrible. It just doesn't work for me. I've re-registered my fingers so many times, and I cannot use that sensor. That's really interesting. So that works fine for me. My only gripe about that is that it doesn't have anything surrounding it, so you can't have that tactile finding. Yeah. It, uh, in but in for your... me, it just doesn't work. Like I, I unlock my P my Honor Ten through Face Unlock most of the time because I've got both registered fingerprints and the face and it picks up my face and unlocks and i've been you know like i can feel it like rejecting my my thumb both both thumbs it doesn't it just doesn't like them and i'm carefully centering i'm, I'm holding it down and you know trying pre no pressure little pressure lots of pressure and it's just as i've tried registering re-registering it's just not working and that's the problem that a lot of people experience using within display fingerprint readers which the honor 10 does not have it's below the display under the same glass as a display as you said there's no recessed area for it but they it is a uh, unlike the fingerprint readers on all the other all the other honor and huawei phones it's not a capacitive sensor it's a it's ultrasonic and that's also what's used in a lot of the Finger, in fingerprint, under display fingerprint sensors, they're ultrasonic. So I'm a little concerned that I'm going to have some issues with the first time I use a phone, that, you know, that has an ultrasonic under the display sensor because it's just not working. And then my other gripe about the Honor 10 is, the, and this is also a gripe I have with Honor Play, is terrible vibration motor. 
Yes, the haptic feedback is it, it's both laggy and not powerful enough. It feels like a cheap vibration motor from like a Motorola from 1995. <laughs> it's no, it's weird, and I don't understand why they're cheaping out on that. Like, how hard can it be to source a, a vibration motor? I'm not talking about a taptic engine, a linear motor, or anything like what LG and the Pixel 2 XL and what Apple was doing. I'm talking about like. Just give us something that what you have in the P20 Pro, like it's decent. It's not great, but it's fine. Like, why did you like I've the the only other phones I know that have such a terrible vibration motor are and, and this is this is really like, you know, this is going to go really low here are the Alcat the cheap Alcatels. And like on, on, on a cheap Alcatel phones. that you can't really complain because of the price points they're hitting. Correct. Correct. But but it's still surprising because $100 phones have, many of them have better motors than what the cheap Alcatel vibration motors feel like. Yeah. Yet Honor manages on the Honor 10 and the Honor Play to feel as cheap as these cheap Alcatel phones on a phone that costs up to $500, right? Wow. I don't know how they failed at that. Interesting. Uh, do you use uh, haptic feedback in the keyboards when typing? Correct. Yes. Okay. So that's something that um, I don't do. That's one thing I turn off because it just uh, annoys me. Uh, so that's probably why I don't feel so strongly about uh, the, the, the haptic engines in the Honor phones. But it's only those two. Every other Honor phone I have... Even cheaper ones than those two have no issues with a haptic motor or their 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 vibration motor. They they feel okay, but nothing great, but not terrible like that. Like I have, trying to think, um, the the Honor Seven X, the Honor View Ten, the Honor um, Eight Lite. I want to say. All of these are recent phones that I have from Honor that at least came out in the last year. And all of them have decent vibration motors, but the, the Honor 10 and the Honor Play are like, ooh, really bad. <laughs> or oh, it's the Honor 9 Lite, sorry, not Honor 10, not Honor 8 Lite, 9 Lite. Um, anyway, the point is, it's, it's, it, that's the only two gripes I have with the Honor 10. But, but back to what we were talking about, which is the Mate 10, no, Mate 20. Light, right? I, yeah. I, I keep so, saying I keep saying P twenty light. Sorry, I mean the Mate twenty light is what we're talking about. So the Mate twenty light uh, overall is a mid range device, sl priced slightly higher than some other ones that uses the Mate branding. Uh, mm -hmm. But this is just for for the tech enthusiast, tech journalist. This is just a teaser of what's to come. If you're a, a shopper out there in the market for a smartphone. This may be a good solution if you don't really need that super high-end camera, if you don't really need the super high-end chipset, uh, but you want a nice, good-looking device with a glass back and a notch, uh, th this, the, the Mate 20 Lite may be a, a good device for you. And I can totally see why Huawei are doing it. Huawei spends uh, literally billions of dollars in marketing their mate brand is something that they're increasing their marketing spend on. They just essentially want to be able to capitalize on that a little bit more with a mid-range device that 
satisfies the needs of both retailers and networks and uh, users' needs of something that's slightly more flashy than an Honor device and has that Huawei brand, which is growing uh, in global markets, apart from in the US, sadly. Yeah, Yeah, clearly. Um, no, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, the Honor 10 is a smaller phone compared to that the Mate 20 Lite, which is has a much larger screen. But the Honor Play is... Uh, so what, that's my question to you is, I understand that obviously the Honor Play has an aluminum back, not a glass back, so and it's not as premium. It's not perceived to be the brand. It's not perceived to be as premium as Huawei's brand. But the Honor Play is an interesting phone. I've been reviewing it for the last week or two now and you know other than of course they made some compromises in the camera uh, mostly in the sensor and lens to meet the price point it is kind of an amazing phone for the money Uh, the display is really great it's a kirin 970 which is what you find the p20 p20 pro honor 10 and it's a 300 dollar phone so how, why would you pick, I mean, other than the camera, maybe it is the camera on the Mate 20 Lite better than the camera on the Honor Play? That's the question I would ask myself. Yes, it, it is. is. So um, okay. out of my, my personal experience with the uh, Honor Play and the Mate 20 Lite, I can confirm the camera on the Mate 20 Lite is much better. It's a okay. 20 megapixel sensor with a 2 megapixel depth sensor, so dual camera but one of them's just a depth sensor. But that 20 megapixel sensor is much better and performs much better in low light. So I believe it's an F over 1.8. Let me confirm that. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it is it is a better camera. That's one of the reasons. Also, the, the Honor Play is obviously the secrets in the name. It's aimed at uh, people who want gaming. to do yeah. a bit more gaming. That's why it has that Kirin 970 chipset. That's the last year's or this year's flagship chipset from Huawei. And that's ideal for gaming. Whereas Mate 20 Lite is more for your average consumer who don't do that gaming. Therefore, that Kirin 710 chipset makes complete sense in this context because it's a chipset which is fine for those of them using their preferred social media or messaging platform. Absolutely. Bit yeah, of yeah. photography. They don't need the gaming side of things. And I think that's where the the Mate 20 Lite trumps the Honor Play is also in battery life. The battery life on the Mate 20 Lite, in my experience, is better than on the Honor Play. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty impressed with the Honor Play overall. Even the camera, even though it's clearly been down, you know, downsized in performance, is not is not terrible at all it's clearly not as good as the honor 10 or you know the 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 other uh some of the honor phones from honor and huawei right but but you expect that at 300 dollars, and but it's still a lot of people are saying oh it's terrible and i'm like no it's not it's not a terrible camera it's just you know kind of scrapes by and is manages a decent level of performance it does have the ai features uh but it's it's suffering from mostly an f over 2.2 lens. Uh, you know, the f over 1.8 lens on the Mate 20 Lite is probably the same lens that's in the Honor 10, right? The Honor 10 is an f over 1.8, uh, I believe. Let me check on that. <laughs> Not sure. Anymore. Yeah. But, 
The Honor 10 is actually the camera on the Honor 10 is is not that bad. Uh, no. It's not that much of a downgrade from the. It's actually not that much of a downgrade from the P20, to be honest with you. And I think um, the, the reason for that is that maybe the hardware is not as good, but it, the secret source is in the in the MUI software, Huawei's software, and how it handles the cameras. Yeah, uh, see, it's so it's a it's a, it's two f one point eight cameras on the Honor 10. One is sixteen. And one is 24 black and white. So you get the pure black and white mode on the Honor 10, whereas you don't, you know, you don't get that on the Mate 20 Lite. Or, uh, or on because the, on the, the same sensor is 20, but then you get that two megapixel depth assist sensor, right? So to me, I mean, at that price point, so here's a question. And we've talked, we've addressed the Mate 20 Lite versus versus Honor Play, because they match in terms of screen size. Um, but now let's let's say screen size doesn't matter to you, and you're trying to get a you know well-rounded overall phone. Would you pick the Mate 20 Lite versus the Honor 10, is my question. <laughs> um, in terms of all-rounded, I would personally prefer the Mate 20 Lite. And my reason for that is I'm not a gamer. That's not my core uh, core way of using phones. I'm mainly right. social media and photography. With the Honor 10, just as with other uh, Huawei devices, you do need to spend a little bit more time making an effort to compose your shots and make sure the AI isn't... Uh, freaking out oh i turn off the ai on these phones you know that i never use the ai i i think it sucks i think the only camera ai that i think is worthy of my attention and love is google's yes um i i leave it on because most in most cases i'm just posting to instagram and for most people the output is punchy and people like it also, I'm very, very amused by the AI mode, particularly on the Honor 10 and I believe the P20 Pro after the latest update. It, my two cats just freak out the AI mode and they, it recognizes them as pandas. <laughs> pandas? <laughs> so it it has a mode for mode. pandas? Yes. So that was one of the, the biggest things about the Honor 10 launch. So uh, some of our friends, uh, such as Peter Holden from Talk Android, uh, Alex Doby from Android Central, and Andy Boxall and I were sitting in a row in front of some German journalists. And uh, one of the German lady journalists, the moment they, they announced Panda Mode for the Honor 10, went on a German rant, which ended with something uh, which I don't know if is, is, if is safe for the Mobile Tech podcast, we might be able to. Oh, it's, edit it's okay. I will. I will make it deep if if it's Egg. not. Go for it. So, so she she went into this German rant that ended with the word "da fuck," and we were very <laughs> amused by that. <laughs> that is awesome. But when George Zhao announced that, he was very very proud of Panda Mode, and every time I pointed at my two cats, one is black and white, and the other is white and black. Uh, uh-huh. It it engages panda mode. So that's the reason I really enjoy leaving AI on. I, I, 
I feel that the AI mode on the Huawei phones and Honor phones has gotten better, but I feel like for me, I turn it off simply because, as you said, it's not point and shooty enough. And I find that just the auto mode is good enough. I, I, by turning off AI mode, you don't lose any of the computational HDR stuff. You don't lose any of the computational stabilization stuff. So it's very much like the Pixel in that sense. You know, the Pixel's AI mode is really just, you know, they don't, like, it's kind of frustrating to me that, you know, LG at least and Huawei and maybe others have these AI modes that show you on the screen what they guess it is. You should not even bother showing me what it is. Just pick something. And that's what Google does. And and Google doesn't, you know, Google has more than 20 things or whatever it is. It, it has like millions of things because it's using this massive database of billions of photos that have been fed into their neural network to, to you know, to create, uh, to create a, a uh, you know, in a, a machine learning algorithm that that can they can be used so that is why the pixel is so good right most of the computational power is used for you know uh some crazy hdr stuff and some crazy stabilization stuff and then the other is to kind of optimize some of the you know camera settings like exposure you know saturation all these things to kind of like uh you know, that are best suited for what the AI recognizes. But I think because it has such a larger database of object, it does, and it's a much more accurate recognition, it does a much better job. So to me, I wish that, I wish that LG and Huawei didn't display at all what the AI has picked and just would, you know, get, get more accurate and better results and have more than whatever it is, 20, you know, modes that it picks from, you know what I'm saying? Yes. But then again, um, whereas with Google, the sort of people who buy a Google Pixel probably know that that's happening in the background. I think LG and Huawei need to, in a way, educate their users to let them know that that's what they're doing. It's a selling point for them. It's continuous marketing after purchase to convince them that it's... But it's not good enough. Like, it doesn't really do anything for you. Like... You're better off leaving in auto mode and actually benefiting from the real computational power prowess, which is HDR and a stabilization. And then, you know, that's what I do. That's why my P20 Pro pictures look so awesome is because I don't actually use the AI mode. Yeah. In my opinion. And and I shoot just as fast because I, I don't have to wait for it to figure out what the hell it thinks it is. And that's the other thing. Why does it even have to wait? Like... Pixel doesn't wait. It just takes the photo, then it processes the image after the fact. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it's probably just a different approach to it. Uh, Huawei and LG probably want to do that computation beforehand, and then the picture is immediately available. It doesn't take as long to process afterwards. Where I have noticed on my Pixel 2 XL, if I take a succession of pictures, not in burst mode, but it does take a few seconds for it to then process the Im- image after the fact. So I suppose it's a different uh, setting approach to 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 process processing and post. No, I get that. I get that. Yeah. So um, it's two different uh, approaches to it. I would say it's very subjective on if you like it or not. 
But one thing is for sure, the average consumer going out and buying a phone from here on in will get all the benefits of this in the long run. All of them are working on improving that AI. They are getting better data sets. The improvement of smartphone camera photography is continuing at pace. And I'm all for it. Bring it on. More of that. Please. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm all for it as well. I think it's marvelous. Um, so I want to go, let's cover quickly these, these rumors uh, about the Huawei Mate 20 Pro. Uh, there's also rumors about the Huawei Mate 20 that we can discuss, but basically th th there are leaked photos of the phone uh, and they, they show more than ever what the, the Pro is going to look like uh, with that square camera pod in the back and the four, uh, you know, one is flashed and the other three are the three lenses. Um, kind of four corners of the pod have uh, have uh, little circles in them. And then you've got this big notch in the front, which is rumored, just like the Pixel 3 XL, to, to contain a proper depth-sensing you know, um, uh, uh, very accurate face uh, recognition system for authentication. So it might be that the Mate 20 is the second phone, or the 20 Pro at least, is the second phone with uh, support in in Android for a face authentication for purchases in Google uh, Pay. We'll see how it goes. I'd be very interested to see if that's the case. Yes. That Any sounds thoughts on that? Um, I'm I'm excited about this in much in the same way I was about the the Pixel Three XL rumors. Again, without having more details on how that uh, notch and that combination of sensors is going to be used, we're doing a bit of guesswork here. Of course, but yeah. that's that's good good news that we're we're looking at a new form of uh, of authentication and uh, sensing. Uh, from the devices, from the, from the front, looking at the screen. And also that the combination of cameras on the back, having the three cameras uh, and the LED flash together, to me is mm -hmm. is interesting. It's a different uh, it's way a different, of it's gonna different be a unique industrial look. design. Yeah, you'll be able to recognize this phone in a crowd. Um, so it's interesting because the back also doesn't have a fingerprint sensor, which means... Uh, and neither does the front, unlike the P20 and P20 Pro. So it looks like we might have a uh, in-display fingerprint reader on this phone. Um, and I think that would be very interesting because the OnePlus 6T, obviously, is also rumored to have an in-display fingerprint reader. And uh, yeah, and, and so in addition to the biometric, you know, face identification, face authentication, we're going to have potentially a, a second way to authenticate. But then there's also the potentially the, the option that maybe Huawei is going to pull what Apple did with the iPhone 10 and 10s and 10R and 10s Max. Oh my God, these names! But basically, not have a fingerprint reader at all. Yeah. Um, Thoughts from on that? From, from the rumors, <laughs> uh, that may be true. But then again, from the screenshots, we we can't see if there's a side-mounted fingerprint sensor, as we've seen in the past on Sony phones or Meizu phones. So I, I'm pretty confident that's not going to happen. If you look at, the, at the, the power button on these photos, it's very skinny. It's red, which is cool because uh, Huawei's done that before. 
Um, and I don't think it protrudes enough um, and is big enough to hold that. In fact, if you look at the phone very carefully at these photos, on the, and I'll link to this article from uh, Android Police, uh, you'll see that I think the display is similar to the Galaxy display. It, it falls on the edges. It's curved Ooh. on the edges. So okay, it's exactly. very going to be very th- it's going to be very thin on the edges. So I think there's either no fingerprint reader at all, and Huawei is going to rely on some sort of depth sensing face authentication, just like Face ID, basically a Face ID clone, or it has an in-display one in addition to this face identifications technology. So we'll see. The other one that's interesting, and there's another link within the this this article. Uh, that that of a previous leak of the Mate 20 non-pro photos. And the, the takeaway for me on looking at those is it's got a much smaller teardrop-shaped um, notch, you know, similar to, again, what's rumored to appear on the OnePlus 6T. And then it has just a tiny amount of bezel on the bottom edge. Uh, but it's on, it's an OLED display this time on the non-pro, which as you know, the Mate 10 last year and the P20 non-pro have, uh, IPS panels. And the other exciting thing is apparently the Mate 20 non-pro retains the headphone jack. Ooh. Okay. That's so interesting. to me, so to me, this makes the choice harder because you see on one hand, I'm excited about the faith authentication part on the Mate 20 pro. But that's really the only thing I am excited about because camera-wise, they're going to be the same. So I'm not a big fan of the Galaxy-style display that falls on the edges like we see on the Note 9 and the uh, Galaxy S9, uh, which, by the way, the Note 9, I have a review in it and is an absolutely phenomenal phone. But you expect that because it's everything and the kitchen sink uh, in a $1,000-plus phone. So this is just as an aside. But... But when I look at the P20 non-pro, I like the simplicity. I like the fact that more of the screen covers the front. There's less bezel, at least top and bottom. And because there's a tiny teardrop notch instead of a larger notch. And it's also an OLED panel and has a headphone jack and it has a fingerprint reader in the back. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's It's like... Maybe they'll both be really cool in their own very own ways, you know. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to make this be a challenge for consumers, say, walking into a store to choose between the Pro and and the standards Mate Twenty. But then Huawei are known to release one variant in specific markets and not in others, and vice versa. So it may be that in some markets, such as the UK we will only see the Huawei Mate 20 Pro, whereas the Huawei Mate 20 may be only seen in markets such as France, Greece, Spain, and Portugal. So it, it right. will be an interesting thing. Sadly, it's unlikely to come to the US. Oh, yeah. I mean, neither of them are going to come to the US, but we'll be able to buy them from Amazon anyway, like we can today with the P20 and P20 Pro. So don't fear, don't don't worry it's not ideal, but it'll it'll happen. Um, so anyway, I mean, I'm excited about this launch. I'm really looking forward to being in London. Um, I'm, so these are the two big things for me that are coming that I'm super stoked about. The Pixel 3 and the Mate 20. Pixel 3 XL, Mate 20 Pro. Um, those two launch events. I'm also excited about the OnePlus 6T, despite the fact that, you know, I have had 
I've expressed my reservations. Um, I want to kind of maybe end the show by talking about a couple of more things. Uh, one is uh, a piece of news you brought to the table for the topics this week, which is uh, that Nokia 7's Android P or Android 9 uh, uh, update is going to be delayed. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. So the, the Nokia 7 Plus or Nokia 7 Plus is uh, one of Nokia's uh, Android One devices. Android One is Google's Android distribution for uh, for their partners, which where Google gives the partners support in updating their devices. And the Nokia Seven Plus launched at MWC this year. Uh, I believe you you've had hands on time with it, and you quite enjoyed the device. Yes, I and loved most it. Pe- yeah, most people refer to the Nokia Seven Plus as the Google Pixel 2 XL Mini, or budget, or <laughs> light. Um, so, in that sense, it is. The form factor all resembles the Pixel 2 XL uh, with, uh, in, in, its sh- in its form factor. And the software, being Android 1, was up to date up till the launch of Android Pie. And it still gets security updates on a monthly uh, schedule. And it was expected to be one of the very first devices to get a full consumer-grade release of Android Pie after the Pixel devices, because uh, it was part of the beta test program. Right, exactly. The news this week is that uh, HMD Global have announced that the Nokia 7 Plus uh, will have some challenges getting Android Pie in the near future. Uh, you can still get it from the beta labs, but they're working on getting some certification bugs sorted. So huh. that's not necessarily terrible news, but it's a bit of a disappointment after the device has been, since Google I.O., part of the, the Android Pie beta program, and the fact that Android 1 supposed to be so close to Google, Android major version updates come very shortly afterwards. So, sad news in that respect, but not necessarily bad news. They want to make sure that the consumer release is good. My hunch on this story, uh, as reported in GSM Arena, is that this is most likely a hardware driver issue. So, Uh some particular components in the device uh, don't have the appropriate drivers for Android Pie to be able to efficiently use it. It may cause some issues there. Interesting. Because, I mean, obviously it's been part of the beta program for a while, so you'd think they would have ironed these things out by now. Yes, but in terms of components, we don't know what is actually causing this. Could it be the camera module? Could it be maybe even just a particular component uh, that isn't there? And the last thing both Google and Nokia want to do is add abstraction layer on top of abstraction layer. to make this work because then future security updates may be more complicated and we go back to the old uh, delayed cycles of, of past years. But Yeah, no, I understand that. I, I think Nokia have a great device there and I think for the average consumer this is good news. Nokia aren't rushing this. Google aren't rushing this. They're putting their Android 1 update uh in a position where it's a quality software release, which I think is good news. Yeah, no, I'm 
I think, you know, I'd rather have them do this right because, I mean, one of the promises, obviously, that Nokia has made, uh, the new HMD-owned Nokia, is that they are serious about, you know, updates and and, and all that. So um, I hope it's just not too long of a delay is basically what I'm saying. Yes. But there we go. The Nokia 7 Plus, in my view, is still an excellent device. It's just under £300 in the UK at the moment. I'm not sure what the price is in the US, but it's we don't still have a good it. buy that I would I mean, recommend. you can order it from Amazon, but it's not officially available, which it's is not. a real problem. Because for me, I cannot get uh, Nokia devices from their PR team that are not for the US market. Right. At all. They won't send them to me. And the the UK or the Europe team can't send them to me either. So I'm really stuck. I don't know what's going on with them and why this is uh, such an issue. If somebody listens to podcasts and works at HMD, please help me here. I want to get my hands on these non-US phones, but nobody seems to, in the PR and various PR teams at the various levels, get me these phones. Now, I have finally received, it's sitting on my desk in San Francisco, a Nokia 6. Point one, which is uh, the one they sell in the US. And I'm really excited to finally try one of the HMD Nokia phones that's an Android device because I do have the 3310, uh, which is not an, an Android device. Uh, somehow a, they were able to send me a 3310, so I don't know what happened there. I think that the 3310 is the ultimate nostalgia device. Yes, somehow they, the European PR folks were able to send me one of those. So. I don't know what's going on with that. I guess it was sold in the US for a brief time. So maybe that's why. Um, so yeah, I, so stay tuned for my thoughts on the Nokia 6.1 because I finally have one to play with as soon as I get back from the Ukraine to the US. Um, and uh, also a quick update, as I mentioned, I'm reviewing the Note 9. I'm reviewing the Honor Play. Um, and I have a Galaxy Watch Uh on my wrist right now, it's the first new smartwatch I've had on my wrist since the Huawei Watch 2, which for me was a disappointment after the Huawei Watch 1, which primarily because the Watch 1 was so sleek and had such a large display with no bezel. And the Watch 2 is just like a cheap-looking sports watch, especially with the, uh, the plastic band that came with it, rubber band that came with it. So I immediately updated to a custom band, and it was a lot better. But... Uh, the watch, uh, the the Galaxy watch is a very elegant watch. I have the large one, which fits my large wrists really nicely. It does also come with a plastic band, which I would like to replace, but I unfortunately don't have any 22 millimeter bands right now uh, floating around because all my watches are 20 millimeter. And so, but honestly, I'm really impressed with what Samsung's done with Tizen. Um, and I'm really enjoying the Galaxy watch. I'm surprised at how... Uh, you know how good it is and it might be my favorite smartwatch of the moment to be frank um, that's, that's interesting because it's what I've heard from everyone else who's using a Galaxy watch at the moment it is it has become the top one until we see a step up from, from Google and Qualcomm and all the vendors making the watches uh, in terms of, of the, the, the new platform the, the the Qualcomm 3100s uh, chips. Yes, the the Galaxy, sorry, the, not the Galaxy, the Snapdragon Wear 3100. You know, I didn't mention this, uh, folks, but uh, two weeks ago in San Francisco, 
Qualcomm had an event. I actually did a YouTube video. I will link to it in the show notes. Uh, and I was there for the announcement of this new chip called the Snapdragon Wear 3100. And I should mention it. So um, it's what's special about it is it's much more battery uh, ef- uh, efficient uh, because when you're not using it to interact with the watch... Uh, right now, basically, Android Wear, or sorry, Wear OS watches that are running Qualcomm chips are, and I think all the Wear OS watches that are running any chips, because, I mean, there's the old Texas Instrument chips on the original Moto 360s, uh, and then there is, I think, a few other me- MediaTek-based chips for for running uh, smartwatch Wear OS. Um, all of these basically are like an, a miniaturized Android phone. The, 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 the application processor, the AP, goes into a low-power state when the watch is just displaying the time, uh, if you have the always-on time set. But it does actually go to sleep, and it's still using a lot of power when it's really idling and not doing anything. So with the Snapdragon Wear 3100, there's basically a coprocessor based on Cortex-M3 that's in there, and that basically the the main AP, the application processor, is completely shut down and suspended. And then the uh, uh, the coprocessor runs the show and has access to the display, which I think is really, really interesting. Yes. And this, in a way, reminds me of uh, a very old Snapdragon chipset. The one in the original Nexus 7 had a, a coprocessor in the background to coordinate the quad-core processor's performance. Uh, that's right. Wait, that, that, no, sorry, that was an NVIDIA chipset at the time. Oh, that, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, but yeah, that, no, that was, that was the, you had the right device, you didn't have the right chip, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that, that reminds me of that solution, which uh, at the time was ingenious, but sadly didn't deliver in terms of actual day-to-day use. If Qualcomm can do this with a Snapdragon 3100, and Google's operating system can can leverage it. I think that this may be the new dawn of Android Wear. The new version of Android Wear will finally start being good enough and have good enough battery life to be a, a mass consumer product. I'm hoping so. I'm a big fan of Android Wear or Wear OS, and and I'm looking forward to a new uh, watch running it. The the Mont Blanc Summit 2 will be the first watch officially launched with the Snapdragon Wear 3100. And uh, it looks pretty sexy. They had it at the event. They didn't let us uh, handle it, though. Uh, so, well, I wait and see. But I'm, I'm look- for now, this Galaxy Watch is pretty awesome. And it's certainly holding me over until I get myself a, uh, a Snapdragon Wear 3100 a Wear OS device, and I'm looking forward to seeing if these claims that uh, Qualcomm has that are insane. They have a claim of in in coprocessor mode alone, you can go up to 30 days on a charge. That wouldn't surprise me, and uh, that that sounds excellent, and that's the sort of thing that will make it very usable by the average consumer. Of course, you would never use it in coprocessor mode for 30 days with the display turned off. But hey, <laughs> the, the, the point is that I'm just saying that, say, you know, uh, uh, you don't use your watch and you have it in display off mode. 
uh, so that it only turns on when you you know do the gesture, uh, you could potentially see a five four to five day battery life out of a Wear OS device with this new chip. So that's what we're talking about here, more realistic. And that thirty day, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. It was two weeks now. It could have been twenty days. But it's it was like a oh my god, awful long time kind of reaction when they said the number. Um, so that's kind of exciting. I'm 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 excited about that. Um, yeah. That's great. Um, I quickly want to give you folks that are listening uh, a heads up that I also received. You saw that on my Instagram. Uh, I also received the Sony uh, uh, Mark III, the third version of their in- amazing noise canceling wireless headphones. The ones that basically have been systematically year after year, because every year they release a new Mark version. Mark III is where we're at now. Um, they have systematically beating Bose at its own game. Bose has kind of been uh, owning the noise-canceling wire, uh, wired and wireless headphone market for a number of years now, because they have great expertise making noise reduction, noise-canceling, sorry, uh, headsets for pilots, uh, for commercial aviation, and probably for military aviation, I would assume. Um, and you know, Bose obviously makes uh, audio products, and some of them are good, some of them not so good. I've never been a huge fan of the sound quality of their products, even though some of them are okay. Um, but the Bose Quiet Comfort have generally not sounded great to me. I have to admit, the noise canceling has always been good, and the more recent wireless ones, like the QC35, have been, uh, you know, well received. But Sony has been kind of kicking their ass with the Mark One, Mark Two, and Mark Three of these headphones, and the Mark Three is the one I have. And right now, the the improvements over the previous generation is. Even better noise cancelling, so even better than... I think they finally beat Bose to their own game. And uh, better battery life, which didn't really need an improvement. And USB Type-C for charging, which is much nicer for those of us who all live in the USB Type-C world. Uh, I mean, everything I pretty much uses USB Type-C these days, so I'm very happy that I don't have to bring yet another adapter or whatever with me. And then... um, you know, uh, it's they, they're they're known to sound better than the the Bose, and you know I'm a bit of an audiophile. My 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 expectations on headphones and earbuds, and I don't actually use earbuds. I use in ear monitors, which are basically sit in your ear canal, are very high, and so. I've been reviewing and using these Sony headphones. In fact, I'm wearing them through the podcast today. Of course, I don't have noise canceling turned on. Otherwise, I can't hear myself. Uh, but I've been using it on this long flight to from the from San Francisco to Kiev recently, and I will be using them again coming home. And after some tweaking, I am very impressed with the sound quality and especially wireless. You know, I'm not a big fan of wireless because I'm a bit of an audiophile and I find that you lose too much quality from wireless uh, connections uh, for audio performance. Yet I've been proven wrong. Uh, Sony is not the only one to support this technology, but LDAC is a proprietary to Sony initially a codec that's lossless for wireless audio. And the uh, and Google adopted it starting with Oreo. So it's on every Oreo-capable phone. Um, and you have to toggle it on in the developer settings. Unfortunately, it's not automatic. But man, when you toggle that thing on, the sound quality finally rivals that of wired headphones. And of course, the Sonys are not very neutral headphones. They're bass-heavy by default, which is not my favorite. 
Uh, some people will like that, but I don't. I like them. Ver- I like neutral. Uh, my headphones and in-ear monitors to be really neutral. Um, so thankfully, Sony has an app that goes along with the headphones that lets you adjust some of the parameters um, and stuff, which is really cool. And that app is mostly useful when using it in wirelessly. And you can tweak the audio. You can adjust. You can equalize. There's a, basically an equalizer in there. Uh, that's basically instead of running on your phone and the media player is running in the DSP inside the headphones, right? So very, very, very cool. So I was able to find settings for the EQ that make these headphones sound as neutral as I'd like and close in quality to what I expect. And with this LDAC lossless codec, OMG, I finally found not only noise canceling headphones that don't suck, but wireless noise canceling headphones that don't suck. So I just wanted to give you a quick little mini review of that before we end the show. Excellent. Any thoughts about that, Matteo? Did you ever try those? Um, so I'm, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a Bose boy. Uh, I have the Bose <laughs> Q- QC35 too, the ones with the Google Assistant. Ah, uh, uh, yes. So the, the Type-C charging is uh, very exciting for me because I still carry around a, a micro USB to charge my headphones. It's not a really big issue, but it would make life a lot easier if it were Type-C. And I'm not much of an audiophile, but the noise cancelling on long flights, as I tend to travel a lot... It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. very important for me. So the Bose seem to do the job for me. Uh, I would need to try out the Sony ones to be able to, to make a judgment on how they perform for me. So I, 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 the three main forms of transportation I would use the noise cancelling are on our flights, trains in the UK, and uh, yeah. and uh, buses. So I, I travel in in Edinburgh. I travel by bus. Uh, the there are different types of of noise cancelling that the Bo- the Bose ha- uh, headsets handle graciously. Uh, I'm. I would need. I, I look forward to trying out the Sony ones. Uh, my colleague and friend from Tech Travel Geeks, Lukash Suliga, he uh, has a, a set, I believe, of the Mark II Sony noise cancelling headphones, and he's very happy with those. So uh, it's definitely something I, I would, would be looking into to trying out. They're also very lightweight and very comfortable. Um, they're still closed headphones, meaning that your ears are going to sweat a little bit if it's hot. Uh, I'm usually most of the headphones I use are open headphones, which obviously cancel no noise whatsoever. Uh, but they usually have like really nice felt pads that you don't sweat at all. So I'm used to like I'm realizing I'm used to a level of audio performance and quality and comfort that is beyond what the average person has and so this is a bit of an adjustment but i have to say i'm, I'm very impressed uh, unfortunately we do need to end the show um mateo will you tell people where they can find you sure um so i write on uh, my project with my colleague and friend lukash techtravelgeeks.com you can follow me on uh twitter i'm at Tudaleo. That's Tango Oscar, Delta Oscar, Lima Echo Oscar. The same handle is on Instagram. And you can subscribe to Tech Travel Geeks on YouTube. We review uh, smartphones, accessories, and sometimes travel tips and tricks 
for getting around and packing or write plug adapters, that sort of thing. So that's where you can follow me. Uh, and uh, we also have a podcast, the Tech Travel Geeks podcast, where our first uh, guest was Miriam herself. <laughs> that's right. Uh, it's a great show. You And you should definitely check out the website too. Really, really good content there, Matteo. Thank you very much, Miriam. And thank you for having me back on the show. It's always a pleasure to, to chat to you. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, so you folks know, all know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like Tankerl, the comic book character without the vowels. That's also my handle on Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Miriam my full name spelt out Miriam with a Y. And uh, the channel is actually a compliment to the podcast. I have unboxings, reviews, hands-ons on there that show you visually what these devices we discuss on the show look like. So subscribe uh like the videos check it out tell your friends and don't forget obviously to subscribe to the mobile tech podcast if you haven't already mobiletechpodcast.com if it's your first time listening we're on apple Podcasts, google podcasts uh pocket casts overcast uh let's see uh, itunes i already said that uh, Slacker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio, everywhere. So uh, look for Mobile Tech Podcasts, and since that might return a lot of hits and you might want to narrow it down, add my handle, Tankerl, T-N-K-G-R-L, to that, and you'll find it. Please subscribe to the show, tell your friends, and uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible is the really the place to go for audiobooks these days, and they have a great selection and really great pricing. So go check out Audible. I have a link down in the show notes, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Please click through and subscribe to uh, Audible services that will help the podcast along. Uh, thanks to Audible. And obviously, thanks to Matteo for being on the show. Uh, that was really, really fun. Yes, that was great fun. Again, thank you for having me on the show. If you want to carry on the conversation, Twitter's the place to do it with me. Wonderful. All right, folks, we'll catch you next week with another show. Cheers. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.